Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. Today, we're joined by Brandy Lawson of Fiery Effects. Uh, she is one of our U Academy mentors. She also runs a boutique marketing agency and chief online officer for Hire. Her mission is helping formidable female change makers maximize their impact, affect change faster on a greater scale by making the right business digital decisions. Her zone of genius is connecting business goals with marketing and technology strategies. She's built over 75 web projects, created a six-figure business in less than three years uh, at the same time of uh, starting her family, which is a huge accomplishment, and she's been in this game for seven years. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brent. I'm really excited to be here. So, Brandy, you started your business the same year you decided to start a family, um, I decided it's a strong word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they happened at the same time, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's. I'm I'm just gonna start there. Let's 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 talk about that. I mean, what uh, what what drove you to 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 found an agency um, uh, around that time in your life? Well, you know, um, the best things I think happened to us, um, and really, if it would have been up to me. I would have probably never had the gumption enough to just quit my day job and start a business. Um, but fortunately enough for me, I got walked out of my job. So, you know, um, I was a product director at a very big name and domain registry and internet products and ownership changed. I got walked out of my job. Um, but I was in, I was in a high risk job. So I, I had made peace already with, it could be over any day for any reason. So it was over. I, I mean, let's be fair. Every job is is that right? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the the 
coming to terms with it when I had, I'd been asked to go into this new role and no one had been in that role for more than 12 months. And most mm. of them had been in that role for a lot less than 12 months before that they, they either got moved or they got canned outright. And so before I accepted that position, I, I had to come to terms with that, but you're right. It's, it's sort of the hidden reality of any job is that it could be over any day for any reason. I just had come to terms with it before it was, which was a, I think a bit unique um, because I, I think I bounced back faster because I didn't have to go through that you know period of mourning or that acceptance of change so much because I'd already sort of accepted part of it. So did you wait to think about what your next move was until that day or was it already, were you already mulling on that in the back of your mind? No, I really, um, I had no mental capacity to think about anything but my job at that point. It was all consuming, all demanding. Um, a lot of it, you know, looking back, you look at some of the corporate jobs, you're like 90% of it was just pure BS. <laughs> but I did, um, I am grateful for it. So, sorry, corporate it, listeners. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, but I think we can also be guilty of that in our own businesses, um, not being critical enough about what, what matters and what doesn't matter when we're just making work. I mean, that's happened to me, um, but it tends to go more unchecked, I think, in large companies. Um, after that, I, I, it was like, oh, oh, okay, I have mental, I, I can actually think about something besides my job. And I told my husband, don't worry, I'll get another job. Like, I'm fully employable, but I have lots of great talents, I, I'll find another place. This is not going to be a, a problem. Um, but... I did send out my first proposal a week later and I actually had to go back and look that up and <laughs> be like, how soon was it? No, it was a week later. Someone who didn't know I didn't have a day job reached out to me, said, Randy, I, I've got this WordPress site. I know you can help me with it. I'm like, sure. So the freelancing started and I was like, this is interesting. I can do this. It, it it's, keeps me occupied and brings in some money while I'm looking for a job. No problem. I'll just do this. Um, and I, I wasn't actively interviewing and looking for a job. Um, and then uh, six weeks after I didn't have a job, I, we found out we were pregnant. And my husband's like, I'm sorry, what? You're unemployed and what? I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> it takes two to tango. I'm just bringing that up, right? I mean, it's not like he could be that surprised, right? No, and, and we had been trying. Uh, so the other thing is that we, we got a late start. And by a late start, um, we have been married 12 years before we started the family. So, no, we, it had been like something we were working on, but we didn't like expect things to go well when other things were not going on. <laughs> right. like, Isn't that, so, I mean, that, that's always how things work, right? You're, yeah. you're, uh, you can't get pregnant, can't get pregnant, and then you lose your job. And then that's, of course, when it's going to happen, right? Right, right. It, and that's, of course, when, when everything falls into place. And, and looking back, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that um, things happened the way that they did because then I had an easy pregnancy. I do not think I would have had an easy pregnancy had I still been in a job that demanded that much of me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I got to re-examine kind of what was important and how we wanted to go about this because I was selectively interviewing and um, sort of how I'm put together. I'm fairly tall and very long in the torso. So no one actually knew I was pregnant until, I don't know, about the seventh month I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So I, I was out interviewing. Um, I had been offered a job. The, the hiring manager said, okay, the paperwork's at the HR person. I'm just waiting for it back. And they reorged. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, and then I, I got an interview with Oracle in Bozeman, Montana. So I'm originally from Montana. My sister lives in Montana. She has a family. Um, they, they're in Bozeman and Oracle had bought a, a small tech company in Bozeman. So I got an interview there and I'm like, this is the perfect job. Everything's lining up. I'm like, tech job, we can live in Montana. We'll be next to my sister. This is perfect. And then they didn't offer me the job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what? What? No, this was my job. Oh, so then um, before we lived in Phoenix, we lived in Boise and Microsoft had bought a company there and there was a Microsoft office there. So I applied there thinking, again, we have great friends there. Many of them have families. This is, this is, this is great. It's closer to to Montana. Will we, will this will be perfect. So I go there to and, interview. And are, I walk you, in. are you, are you kind of still doing the freelancing on the side? Like oh, are yeah, you working still on this doing one? the freelancing okay. and it's growing by referrals. Yeah. So the first guy that I worked for, um, he was a beach body coach. And then he referred me to another person who referred me to a couple who uh, were triathlete coaches, uh, actually Ironman coaches fascinating that's just fascinating <laughs> so so this I'm is happening kind of in the background but the intent yeah. is still like a new job oh the intent is 100 percent is is i will be employed because health insurance and maternity leave and you know all of those things so yeah. i'm totally we moved to phoenix for my job <laughs> this this is i was going to get a job um but i'm doing the freelancing thing because i'm liking it it's fun. I, I enjoy it. Um, I'm meeting new people and solving problems and it's, you know, it's, it's challenging the problem solving part of my brain. So no, this is going on, but I'm like, no, I, if I'm going to get back into the real money, you know, air quotes around the real money, I'm going to need a job. So I go to Boise, I walk in the day of the interview and the hiring manager says to me, so they've decided to close this office and move all the jobs to to Redmond, Washington. Do you still want to interview? <laughs> I'm like, I'm here <laughs> as well. At this point, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. So I interview and they offer me the job. And I'm like, there's no amount of money that you'd be willing to pay me to move from Phoenix to Seattle. No, mm. don't get me wrong. It's like a dilemma, right? So now you <laughs> you you got that you got what you wanted, but it wasn't really what you wanted. Sounds like exactly. Seattle's fantastic. I love visiting, but I can barely put up with, with the traffic in Phoenix. And my sister lived in Seattle for ten years. I know what that's like. And the housing, yeah, no. <laughs> so I turned down a job with Microsoft and decided, hmm, I guess I need to do this thing. <laughs> So how did that, I mean, I don't know, you don't have to tell me, but I mean, how, how did that conversation go at home? Because I mean, I assume, you, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you got what the family wanted, but now you're like, oh, by the way, I'm going to do this WordPress or website thing. And uh, yeah, that big job with Microsoft, never mind. Yeah, well, we, we really talked about the location thing. And my husband, um, he's, he was actually originally from Colorado, and he we we met in high school. He he lived in Montana with his family after sixth grade. He's like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to live in Seattle. And we looked at what housing would be like. And it, as it is, my garage is not big enough for the things that he likes to drive around. And he's like, no, no, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well then 
I better make this thing work because <laughs> it feels like this is my answer. So, so was it after the Microsoft situation where you literally have the job that you stopped applying for jobs and, and focus on the business or was there still? Yeah. No, that was it. That Because we were also getting close to expecting our son and I'm like, okay, well, I better double down and get as much done as I can do with our client, with the clients at hand and see how I can start to grow this, this business. Um, Cause you know, then we're going to have a baby. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like a big life event to help you set your priorities straight. Yes. Yes. And, and at that point I've been, I've been really like seeking clarity, like, okay, I really need to know. And, and by the time that the like third bomb dropped, I was like, okay, I get it. I, I can see now what needs to happen. I assume your freelance business was, was, was that your first, your first business basically uh, that you'd ever started? Not really. Cause when back in Boise, um, I had been doing some web work in my job. Um, I was hired as a marketing assistant, but pretty quickly got sucked into the website because um, they had a flat HTML site of 500 pages in five languages. That sounds so, manageable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but I really loved it because it was, I would, I went to school and got a marketing degree, but I also took a C plus plus, you know, as most marketing people do. Maybe it's just me. Um, so I really loved that intersection of marketing and technology that was the web. Uh, so about that time, I'm like, well, what else can I do with this? So I started doing some freelancing for a local salon. And I think I had like one other client at that time that I was just doing stuff on the side when I first had started my career. So that was really my first, first business. Um, so picking it back up was, was good, um, kind of came naturally, but the other, the other deep appreciation that I did not have until the moment that I was to become a mother and a business owner, um, was that my parents opened the restaurant the year I was born. And I always was like, well, that seems like maybe not the thing I would do. And then I was like, are you crazy? What were you thinking? Because <laughs> At least at this point, my husband has a corporate job. We have health insurance. We have the things that come along with that and a paycheck, even if the business, you know, wasn't doing what it was supposed to do at that point. No, my parents were both in it, Both that was their sole source of income. And I literally was on the back shelf during lunch hour. Mm. It, it makes me, uh, Tony Robbins kind of tells a, a story of, uh, you know, if you, if you want to take the island, uh, blow up the boats, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of get rid of the ability to retreat, which sounds like um, maybe your parents both being all in with the restaurant. <laughs> it's like if this doesn't, like, we have to make this work. And and I mean, I think there's something to be to be said about that. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. we um, sometimes when we half commit, we get half results. You know, or right. even less than half results. We don't even get results because we're half committed and we're not doing that little extra, that little extra five or 10 or 50% that is necessary to really achieve what you want um, out of your business or out of your, you know, your strategy, right? Right. Now, it's, it really about, I think, because then after that, there was a bunch of people who, who, who ended up losing their jobs uh, out of the company where I worked. And so we would get together for regular lunches and some of them were job hunting. Some of them had new jobs. I was doing this thing and only probably for the first, 
oh, six months or so was I like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll go back to a job. And then after that, the mindset switch happened. I became unemployable. I, it was one of those, like, I would go to those lunches and listen to them talk about their jobs and be like, oh, I don't, I can't, I won't. And, this and, has got to work. I, I, I love how you frame that because a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs I'll hear will say I'm unemployable from the perspective of like, I don't have a resume. I've been out of the no, quote unquote no. job market for a while. You're saying I'm unemployable because I, you know, you as an individual could never accept that type of a life again. Yes. Yes. I'm employable because I'm not unemployable, not because somebody wouldn't want to hire me. I'm unemployable because my mindset has changed so much that I don't, maybe there's like one or two companies on the planet that it might work, but for the most part, the type of person and the type of mentality that it takes to work inside a company, I'm no longer that person. When did, you know, you framed your business at least initially with these uh, couple of clients that you've gotten uh, as kind of, you know, you were freelancing. When did the shift happen for you to, uh, this is like freelance work, kind of a, a job where I'm working for myself or I'm, I'm doing projects, you know, I'm getting, you know, paid kind of as it's going to this is a business or even using that term uh, agency. So I resisted the term agency for a long time because having been the daughter of the owners of the restaurant, um, I was not really excited about having employees at all, ever, in any capacity, because I had seen what that looks like. And I was the person who got called in when the employee didn't show up for work. So um, I very intentionally set out to not have employees. Now, I understood that con- you know, I would have contractors, I would use assistants, things like that, but probably not until, oh, it was probably eight months into the business that I finally realized that even though I'm fairly smart, I have a lot of experience, my parents were entrepreneurs, I have a marketing degree, an MBA, I've done this for other people, I was terrible at a lot of things in my business and I could not do it myself. I only hired a coach. Um, I think that's when the shift started happening from freelancer um, to business. Also, you know, you get to a point in your day-to-day that you're like, no, I need the revenue and the the actual, what I get from my efforts at the end of the day to go up. So how do I make that happen? And from my coach, then I trans and I transitioned into a, a coaching program, which also helped a lot with the mindset. But I think it really wasn't until I I got through boot camp. Um, that I started using agency because I was no longer afraid of the label. Hmm. How did that, um, what kind of benefits did you get as you shifted to that? I mean, I obviously overcoming some mindset or personal history with employees I mean, <laughs> to grow up around that and to have that imprinted on you at a young age. I mean, I can imagine that that would be challenging to overcome that. I mean, I, I hear people all the time will come in and, and say things that are just blow me away. They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with work. I can't, you know, I have no bandwidth. I'm just, you know, barely keeping afloat and, uh, but I don't want to have any employees or any help in my business. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you looking at? Are you looking for like a piece of software to solve this problem? You know, like, like at the end of the day, it comes out of people, right? Like, and so I just, you know, but, but I think that people have that, there's baggage, there's beliefs, there's personal history that is totally valid. And I mean, for you growing up in that environment where, 
maybe your impression of employees were, I mean, restaurant employees. I mean, talk about, a, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're the worst type of employees, but I mean, service industry, I mean, it doesn't have a great reputation, right? No, and I, I, I am forever grateful, though, uh, to have experienced being the hiring process because my parents really did hire for fit. They hired, they, they didn't, they weren't able to say they were hiring for cultural fit, but that's what they were hiring for. And then later in my career, I got to experience a manager that only hired for experience and watch him bat a thousand. <laughs> he never retained one of those employees. I'm like, oh, well, I, I clearly see which one of these works. Um, and for the most part, my parents have really fantastic employees. However, being the the one who who's involved every time things go not so well, and also being a very young manager. So I was a shift manager at, what, 16, 17, and over people who were older than I was. So that also, I think, was sort of a... But it really, it for me, it came down to... Um, being honest with myself about what I wanted and what I was capable of um, and finding the right people to trust. Uh, so my, my first hire was a, a virtual assistant and I had a good friend at that point who used to be a virtual assistant who gave me a lot of guidance about how to hire. Um, and I did that and she worked out fine for a while, uh, but then I'm also growing. So that's the other thing I had to recognize is that each thing that I find that's a fit in my business may not always be a fit and that change is okay. Something that you, uh, uh or, or do you have more on that? No, go ahead. <laughs> Something that you said to me, uh, you said not until I was willing to set aside my ego and my incessant desire to know it all did my business actually start to grow exponentially, and now I enjoy it more. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, my person, there's like a personality test out there, but my personality, um, I lead with knowledge. I must know all the things. And I, looking back, I must be, I must have at many points been an incessant know-it-all because I want to know all the things, and then I want to tell you all the things. Um, and that, I had a speaking coach tell me, you know, when you're speaking to an audience, you can't just overwhelm them with all this stuff. You have to dial that back a little bit. And then I realized that my need to know all the things was really standing in my way of being able to grow um, because you can't execute all the things. You can't. And it, it all came back to ego. It really all came back to me having to have a little chat with myself about um, you don't need to be the girl who knows everything. That intelligence doesn't require you being able to win on Jeopardy. Now, you also may have like skipped over the part. I love Jeopardy. <laughs> I really enjoy being able. And I think that's just the manifestation of me and my obsession with knowledge. So recognizing that and then being like, oh, okay. So if I have permission not to know all the things, that means that I started seeing the other people that I could partner with that did know more. Like I had appreciation for what they did and I, I knew enough to know how to partner with the right people, but then to let them and to not need to know everything that they knew was a, was a huge pivot point for me. I, 
I want to I want to bring this up for our for our audience because I think what you've just said is 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 really important, and I think for a lot of agencies. Um, uh, and I love that you admit that this was an, uh, a crisis of ego. Uh, it was. <laughs> that we need to know all the things. But, but I almost want to push that a step further within the agency space is, is we have this uh, desire to do all of the things. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at you know, the, the symptom of this crisis that maybe you were in as a, as a knowledge hoarder or whatever was actually um, – <laughs> But it shows up. I mean, every company I look at the services page, if it's any indicator, uh, is is like you know the know it all, right? Like, right. oh, you need websites, got that, right? You need WordPress, Shopify, got that too. I can do digital marketing, funnels, email series, automation. Uh, you, you know, do you need uh, an app built for your company? Do you need print work done? <laughs> it's like it's like what? Like how could any you know one company actually be truly excellent at like? 75 different things right right yeah well so i think it was partially me and also um i think it comes from a a place of a bit of empathy with our clients so our clients find a trusted service provider and they'll just keep coming back to us for all the other things that they need and at some point uh we are doing them a disservice by being like yeah i can do that yeah i can do that but we also if we don't know where to send them we don't want to tell them no. So I think that's also sometimes how things get spin, spiral out of control. And that also was a, a challenge that I had because I really enjoy um, process and uh, not process for process, but finding the right tools and making the right digital decisions and helping people uh, move from uh, web hosted email to G Suite because don't don't host your email on web hosted. But those things were really ultimately distractions from getting in touch with what what really is my superpower and my zone of genius. And because I sort of enjoyed them and people wanted them, I got distracted by all the things. So it was both an internal ego crisis and a bit of external because I didn't want to tell my clients, no, I can't do that because ego and they need it. Um, but I also hadn't built up my network of trusted providers because the other thing that people that's happened to other people and me to some point is that you refer somebody off and they have a terrible experience. Mm. And then that reflects back on you and you're like, well, crap, now you think I'm no good because they had this terrible experience. So I think that's also can, can be one of the things that stands in the way of telling person, no, I don't build apps. I uh, know I don't know who to send you to or if you know somebody to send them to and then they have a terrible experience and again, you're sort of that burned one time, maybe not going to do it again. I've heard that the three most difficult words for experts to utter is I don't know. Right. Yes. The permission to say, I don't know. (laughs) It is painful. But of course, I mean, the, the alternative is you, you're like, Oh yeah, I got that. That's easy. No worries. No problem. We got you covered. Right. And then, you know, Three years later, you have, you know, I mean, in our case, we had, you know, something like, let's call it at the time, like 70 customers that we were actively working on, probably close to a dozen different platforms. And uh, we would lose an employee or whatever. And it was like the employee that knew that platform. And then what would happen, of course, is the very next day, um, we would, you know, <laughs> that site would go down and everybody would just kind of be looking around like, I don't know, I don't know. It was, it was so-and-so over there that took care of that, right? 
and, and it was like, oh my God, like what, what, what is this mess that we've created? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we would have been better off just be like, yeah, I don't, we don't work on that platform. Sorry. Yeah. You know, if you fit yeah. our, if you fit our framework, then we'll help you and we'll do an amazing job. Uh, but it's, it's so hard. Right. And I think it it's, is. A, it's a process, a, almost like a, a repetitive process that you, you know, as you grow, you almost are going to, you're going to accumulate, you know, some level of more problems. Then you have to go back through and like, you know, prune the tree. And if you're going to grow again. Um, exactly. And, and some of the problems you think you solved at one level come back at the next level. What, so, what's, oh, go ahead. yeah, I was going to say, what's kind of a, what's exciting you in your, in your agency right now? Um, what's kind of the thing that the speaking of kind of focusing in your area that um, is is giving you the most results. Um, what is that for you right now? I mean, are, do you have clarity on that? So um, I've one is you know t- talking about my ideal client, who my target audience is, and the 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 female change makers. Um, being able to articulate that has been helpful, but also back to having found the right strategic partners and the right um, other people who know important things when it comes to marketing, um, I've been able to get more clarity about what it is that, that I'm really good at. And I'm really good at the strategy and I'm really good and passionate about the metrics. So what the big plan is and how we know if it's working and being able to articulate that was so exciting for me <laughs> because I've always been sort of a, a data nerd. Um, my, my first project in um, sort of the real job. I, I got to work for a tech company in their sales assistant role. Um, and I was handed this massive spreadsheet where we tracked all of the, the call tracking because at that point there was Excel. So it was this really convoluted, complicated formula written spreadsheet that had all the data. Um, and I got, to, I got to do that. And I really, from then, understood the power of data. And so now and bringing it all full circle, um, the planning piece and helping clients get clarity, there's there's always this bit of coaching that has to happen. This, this bit of getting them to admit to themselves things that maybe they don't want to talk about in their business because no good plan can happen on fiction. And then the metrics, understanding how that all works, pulling it together and being able to, to say, this is working, this is not working, start start doing this, stop doing this. Um, that clarity is super exciting for me because now um, it's so much clearer and I can articulate why people hire me and I know what I need to bring in everybody else for. I'm glad there are people out there that are excited about data. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not everyone feels the same way. I mean, look. I mean, numbers—they're—they're they're objective, right? I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, assuming that it's—it's it's good data, right? Um, right. You know, it's—it's it's something where, you know, if if you you either got X visits or you didn't, you know, you either got you know ten scheduled calls or you didn't. You either, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you your salespeople made you know three hundred outbound this week or they didn't, right? I mean, it's it's right. very binary, and I, I definitely like that. But I am very happy. That there are people that really see a spreadsheet like that and get excited about translating that to people like myself. So that's really cool. Yes, I love it. Um, 
So we've talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, I think there's some some really good themes here. I mean, we've talked about some people stuff. We've talked about the transition from uh, from from that full time gig, the unexpected life events, helping you to set your priorities straight. Um, how to kind of get your agency off the ground, how that transition happened from freelance to agency, some of those mindset things. Um, this has been, I think, super informative uh, for our audience. Uh, Brandy, are you ready for our lightning round? As ready as I'm going to get. Lay it on me. <laughs> All right. What is your best advice? Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? So it's going to sound funny, but it was really dressed for the job you want. Um, my first manager in my real full-time career job. I came from college where, you know, we wore shorts and t-shirts to work. And then I came to the corporate office and she, she had to pull me aside and say, basically, you need to dress for the job that you want. Um, and for me, that was sort of a heartbreaking moment. Like, what do you mean? I can't just show up as myself. Um, but even today, that's something that I keep in mind is like, um, the impression that you're making, the, who you are, like it's okay to be authentically yourself. Um, I wear ridiculous shoes, but who you are needs to make sure that you're aligned with with who you're trying to be and who you're trying to serve. So ultimately, that was that would be it. You just made me question my whole like kind of t-shirt <laughs> and uh, jeans at home. You know, working from the home <laughs> office. You know, in like the house slippers. I'm like, oh no. Brandy's gonna make me wear like suits at home. Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't I, want I, that job. I don't want that suit job. I'm not okay, gonna. Okay, well uh, then, perfect. Then don't dress like. Don't dress for uh, um, right. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um, personal habits contributed most to my success. Hmm. Yeah, it's the the miracle morning. So, um my adaptation of the the miracle morning of uh, doing gratitude journaling in the morning, doing some sort of physical activity, which at this point for me is yoga, um, doing a level of meditation and a, a bit of reading. If I can work it in, I think there's two more that I, that I don't have in my current morning routine, but morning routine. That's a pretty full morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky if I meditate once a month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can you share an internet resource or tool uh, that you think our listeners would find valuable? Um, well, the one that I talk about the most is a tool called Streak, S-T-R-E-A-K. It is a Chrome extension for Gmail, and it allows you to do a ton of things. Um, delay send, it has snippets, it has pipelines, and uh, what else is snooze? Um, but it's a whole suite of tools for email that I think help with productivity there and also keeping you out of it if you don't need to be in there and, um, and setting the right expectations. So it's huge. I use it. I won't use Gmail without it, basically. Streak. Well, Streak. listeners, if you are interested in that, if you're on the road right now, make sure you check out yougurus.com slash podcast and, uh, and click on this episode so you can check out those show notes and uh, grab a link to that if you don't currently use that tool or you'd like to. Uh, Brandy, what book would you recommend and why? So I would recommend Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. And it's not necessarily a business book, but um, during this journey as an entrepreneur, I, I realized that my business couldn't grow unless I grew. 
And that really was not in any class I ever took on entrepreneurship. I didn't, uh, looking back, I could see how my parents demonstrated that. Um, but uh, Daring Greatly really helped me embrace authenticity and vulnerability. And I think um, was a good, was a turning point in my mindset as a business owner. It's kind of interesting. I hear entrepreneurs, I mean, we all talk about mindset so much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, almost, you know, it's, it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sub thread in every, in every show that we have, whether we explicitly call it or not. Uh, but you know, I, I look back at school, I don't know, you just kind of yeah. like jogged my mind of like thinking back to like college of like not having that kind of stuff in there. And I mean, I don't, I don't remember any course that talked about mm. your mindset, even as a student, like what is nope. a student mindset? What is a mindset you need to have to like maximize your experience? Right. Uh, I mean, none of that stuff was there. It's just kind of like, here, here's Calc 3. Have fun. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, right? Um, so that's cool. I, and I also, I'm a big fan of uh, of, of Brene. Uh, went to her talk in Denver um, when she launched oh, that so book. Cool. And so it was, uh, yeah, great message. So uh, listeners, if, you, if you're interested, um, again, check out the show notes, links out to books, resources, takeaways from this episode, uh, and a whole lot more. So if you haven't checked out our show notes section, um, we do put a lot of work into that to, to give you uh, as many resources as we can from every single episode from this program. Uh, Brandy, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, for sure. Um, you can go to fieryfx.com. That's F-I-E-R-Y-F-X.com. I've got, I blog uh, twice a month and I have a crap ton of resources. So if you love streak or things like that, um, I'm, I like to say I'm lazy. I'm just lazy. I don't like to do things manually and I know there's a better way. So I've compiled a bunch of resources there. You can check out my blogs and, and you can um, get on my weekly email if you want where I share insights, tips and tricks, uh, tips and tricks about marketing and being effective in your business. Awesome. And you're a you Academy mentor. So if you are and, interested yeah. in having uh, Brandy uh, hold you accountable, work with you in your business, then uh, reach out to our team, talk about how to make that happen. Uh, we've got Brandy and a, a whole uh, crew of amazing mentors that are, are leading our program, helping many digital agencies uh, achieve the freedom they want in their business and life. And I think you've done a great job on that, Brandy. We've gotten some amazing customer feedback from your group and the folks you've been towards. So just want to give you thanks for that. Thank you. I really enjoy the program. It was a difference maker for me. And it's fun to see how many other agency owners are able to, to really find what they're looking for and grow their businesses where they want them. That's what we're all about. Well, thanks for stopping by uh, this this uh, program this week, Brandy. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to uh, go through this conversation and to have this interview with you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brent. All right, that is our episode of this week of the Digital Agency Show. Tune in each and every week for more great content coming at you to help empower you uh, to achieve the freedom you want in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, 
Fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.